Hi, I'm Graham McLennan, and today we're talking travel, we're talking van life, nutrition, yoga, cooking on the road, and football. Talking to chefs, and sometimes lawyers, but always to people who love food. You're listening to the Chef Demoni Podcast. Here's your host, Graham McLennan. Okay, so not a lot of football, but definitely more than usual, as you'll hear. Anyway, happy Friday. I'm really happy that you've joined me here for the Chef Demoni podcast. This show springs from my love of food, but along with food, I also love a good story. And in my working life, I've been fortunate to meet lots of people who have really good stories. So as some background, I came to Vancouver in 1995 to go to law school, and after three years there, uh, plus a year of articling, I was called to the bar in 1999. That's all to say that for most of the last 20 or 21, I suppose, years, I have practiced law. But a few years ago, I took some time away from the office and I worked in the culinary world. I worked in kitchens, both in Vancouver and in a very small galley kitchen aboard a schooner called Passing Cloud that sailed the central coast of British Columbia. During those years, I learned a lot about food, a lot about cooking, and a lot about chefs. I learned that chefs, like lawyers, have some really great stories. So, having returned to full-time legal practice in 2017, I started Cheftimony. I started this podcast as my way of staying connected to that culinary scene. Now, because of my working experience, or experiences, I suppose, the groups of people that I tend to know best and tend to know the most of are chefs and lawyers. So they are the typical guests on the show. But sometimes, like today, we've got a great guest who is outside the usual profile. And we're going to get to today's guest and to a really fun interview in just a few minutes. I'm really excited for you to hear today's talk. First, though, a little bit of housekeeping. As I often say at the end of the show, I love to hear from you. And that is so very, very true. And this week, I received a couple of really outstanding emails from Chef Doris Finn. Now, Chef Doris and I originally connected on Instagram, and I highly recommend that you check out both her social media channels and her website. I will put a link to the website in the show notes, and from there, you'll find lots of links to her social media channels as well. Doris is both a chef and a culinary educator, and I'm really hoping to get to Toronto later this year, perhaps in the summer or fall. And if I do, I'm hoping to meet up with Doris and perhaps have an opportunity to cook with her. In any event, Doris shared two fantastic recipe ideas with me, and I'm going to share them here with you today. The first is a pressure cooker recipe, an instant pot hummus recipe. I'll put a link to this uh, post or the post for this recipe on Chef's Instagram for you and highly recommend that you check it out. This is an easy to digest and a super tasty hummus recipe. Doris says that the secret for this one is blending the chickpeas while they are still warm. So don't let them cool down too much after they've come out of the pressure cooker. Also, using the broth that comes out that you've cooked the chickpeas in, using that in the recipe makes a world of difference too. The second recipe is for a vegan, gluten-free cream of mushroom soup. I haven't made this one yet, but I definitely plan to. This is another Instant Pot recipe, and the secret here is to blend the aromatics whole into the soup. And the aromatics in this case are fresh bay leaves and thyme. I really can't wait to try this. Again, I'll put a link to the Instagram post where you can get the whole recipe and try it yourself. 
And actually, Chef Doris's recipes and her whole approach to healthy plant-based eating is a perfect match for today's guest. It's funny how timing works out sometimes. I was connected to today's guest through my friend Bart Copps. Now, you will know of Bart as the camper chef if you have heard episodes 19 and 26 of Chefdemony. He appeared as a guest on each of those episodes. When we were in Las Vegas in November of last year and doing the interview that came out as episode 26 of the show, when we were finished that interview, Bart said to me, you know what, you should really connect with my friend. You should connect with my friend Joe Hawley. He's a great guy. He's got a really interesting story. And so I did. So today's guest, Joe Hawley. He is a genuinely friendly and incredibly interesting guy. Now, I'm not a sports guy by a long, long, long shot. Just ask my friends. But... Even I know that it takes someone special, someone really talented and incredibly hardworking to play in the NFL, the National Football League. And that's exactly what Joe did for eight seasons before retiring really quite recently. Since leaving football, Joe has been traveling and studying and learning about a lot about the importance of nutrition to good health. Joe's got a really interesting approach and a really great uh, website and blog. It's called Man Van Dog Blog. He's been traveling the country in a van with his dog. It's just such a great story. And in the process of traveling, Joe has spent a lot of time reading. He spent a lot of time practicing yoga, meditating, and researching the impact of nutrition on overall health. Joe was telling me today that our brains can actually grow and learn and develop new neural networks. And Joe has been working on his brain very active actively. He's taking a serious approach to proper nutrition. He's undertaking meditation. As I say, he's doing yoga. The mind-body connection is really important to Joe. So today we talk about the transition from the very structured environment that Joe had as an elite athlete to the one he has now, being retired with a wide-open schedule. And this is a topic I find really quite interesting. I think that some people can run into trouble when they step away from structure and routine and familiarity into what can be a very free but also a very uncomfortable void. And maybe that's why I see so many lawyers working so late in life. Anyway, Joe has got some great insight on this issue, and it's really inspiring to see how healthily he has made the shift from the NFL to traveling, yoga, blogging, on and on and on. Now, some people want to retire and do nothing, and you'll hear today Joe talking about his dad and his dad's wishes for retirement, but Joe doesn't buy that doing nothing concept. He doesn't think it fits with the human psyche, that we actually need some kind of a higher calling. So if, like me, you sometimes entertain thoughts and dreams of chucking it all and buying a kitted out van and hitting the road for months on end, You're either going to be inspired or you're going to be jealous when you hear Joe's description of his van and his traveling companion. And maybe like me, you'll be both inspired and jealous at the same time. We have a great talk about some of the highlights that Joe has seen on his travels recently. Baseball stadiums throughout the U.S., an area of interest for him, also the national parks. We talk about a few of them, Grand Canyon, Grand Tetons National Park. We talk about one of my absolute favorites, which is Arches in Utah. That is a simply fantastic place. Joe loves it, and I can see why. It's home to incredibly beautiful geology and scenery and lighting and wide-open space. If you get a chance, I highly recommend going to Arches National Park. If you don't, and or before you do go, 
I also recommend you read a book called Desert Solitaire. It's written by one of my very favorite American authors, uh, Edward Abbey. So pick that up, check it out of the library. Uh, it's a fantastic read, Desert Solitaire. We also have a talk today on the reading front about how Joe got into reading. He talks about how Tony Gonzalez, another NFL player, really inspired him to take on reading. And now Joe focuses a lot of his reading on healthy lifestyles, on nutrition and what it can do for us. So he did try a keto diet soon after retiring. He has moved now more into a plant-based diet, as you'll hear today. And Joe spends a lot of time thinking about micronutrients and their impact on the body's microbiome. It's a really interesting discussion. I think you're going to like it. And as to cooking itself, Joe takes the same approach I do, which is just diving in and doing it. And as you'll hear today, he says, the more you cook, the better you get. I could not agree with that more. Toward the end of our interview, I had to ask Joe about our mutual friend Bart, the camper chef. And it's interesting. These two share a lot. They both take the exits from the freeways, they talk to the locals, and they may just have some interesting projects in the works together. Finally, you're going to hear from Joe today some really practical, really handy tips for cooking great food on the road. Great food, healthy food, delicious food. So with that, that is certainly enough from me. Let's get to today's interview. Here's my talk with Joe Hawley. Well, this is really exciting. Here we are on a Sunday morning here in Gibsons, and I'm reaching out through the uh, the wild world of the internet all the way to Austin, Texas, I understand, to speak with Joe Hawley. Joe, first of all, thanks very much for taking the time. Thanks for being on Cheftimony. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. So you, I, am I right? You're in Austin right now on your, on your uh, traveling schedule? That is correct. I'm actually um, setting up home base here now for uh, for the time being. I'm actually looking to buy a property soon. Okay, wonderful. So tell us a bit about your life before making the shift to what you're doing now, this traveling and blogging life. And and uh, I'm as far from an athlete as you can get, but uh, I understand you played a little football. Yeah, I actually played in the NFL for eight seasons. Uh, from 2010 to 2017, I played five years with the Falcons, three years with the Buccaneers. And in 2017, I decided I had had enough of the grueling schedule and what it was doing to my body and my mind and my spirit. And so I decided to walk away from the game, uh, retired early. I gave everything I owned pretty much to uh, to charity, downsized my closet. I bought a converted cargo van um, and hit the road and traveled the country for uh, just about 18 months, a little off and on, and it completely changed my life. It's been quite the experience. Wow. I, and I can't wait to delve into that with you, but I just, I've got to ask in your football playing days, um, because I've the closest thing that I've done to athletics is a bit of distance running. So I've done a few marathons and that kind of thing, but that's just a whole other kettle of fish from what you were doing playing center in the NFL, where you got to be, to state the obvious, big and strong. What uh, what was your diet and nutrition looking like in your playing days? Um, I, like most people, wasn't eating very healthy. I was um, obviously a lot bigger. I played anywhere between 290 and 315 throughout my career. And uh, actually, a few years ago, I started 
I started trying to take care, better care of my body. I started eating healthier. I, I started eating paleo, which is, you know, more just natural foods and less processed stuff. And it was actually difficult for me to keep weight on. And I was actually losing too much weight. So then, you know, after a year of eating kind of clean and losing a few pounds, the team came to me and told me I needed to gain some weight and, and play heavier just because I was getting, you know, I wasn't as, as, as strong or as big as I was. And so I actually had to start eating kind of heavier, starchier, thicker kind of foods to keep some weight on. And I uh, realized then when I shifted back of how much nutrition actually affects the way we feel and the inflammation in our body and how much pain we're going through. And so when I was done playing, I really was looking forward to changing my diet, losing weight, and finally getting to know what it feels like to not have an extra 60, 70 pounds on me and to eat cleaner food so that I, my body would run more efficiently. And, you know, now I'm down to around 230, feeling a lot better and eating a lot better and feeling my body with the proper nutrition, which has been amazing. Can you comment a little bit more on the, on the body mind connection? That seems to be big for you and something that you've really stepped into exploring now that you're away from football. Yeah, I've been very intrigued with with the body, nutrition, you know, getting way more into the mind and how that works. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out with uh, football and athletes and, and the brain trauma and the CTE. And obviously, I've been hitting my head and ramming it against the wall for uh, the better part of my life. And so when I was done, actually, before I was done, about four or five years ago, I started doing some research on trying to, you know, what can I do to be more proactive with taking care of my my mind, my body, my brain, so that I later in life, I don't hopefully have to deal with some of these issues that are coming up in, in athletes and, and NFL guys. And so, you know, I found out, you know, what we feel our body really has a huge effect on the brain and on the mind and how we feel and emotional um, well-being as well. And started learning about meditation and how, you know, they have these fMRI scans of brains and of people meditating and the brains lighten up and, you know, new research coming out about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. And, you know, they used to think that the brain, you know, couldn't grow, couldn't heal itself, couldn't, uh, it was kind of just, it is what it is. And if you lost brain cells, that was it. But there's all this new research coming out that you can really grow new neural networks, new neural pathways in the brain. And so, I've spent uh, a lot of time trying to cultivate, you know, practices that can help heal my brain and help it grow and help it learn. And, you know, over the past year and a half, I've been on this journey of self-healing my body and my brain and my mind and my spirit. And I've learned so much. And, you know, meditation practice, reading, um, experiencing uh, novel things, traveling, getting outside your comfort zone. All of these are all things, you know, what you fuel your body. There's actually foods that are really good and healthy for the brain um, that help it run more efficiently. And through all these practices, I've completely changed my body, how I feel. And I've noticed a huge shift in my mental clarity and, you know, my knowledge and my, my intelligence. I feel like smarter. I feel like I can access information better. I feel like I can communicate better and I can learn easier and so I'm just continuing to grow and um, trying to learn as much as I can on this path so that I can, you know, share what I've learned to others and help them improve their lifestyles, especially former athletes who are uh, looking to transition from their sport into the real world and, you know, trying to share my path of 
of healing that I've been on and hopefully show and help others to do the same. The question that comes to mind for me is around the shift from what would have been, I guess, a very structured environment in the football world where you would be dealing with, you know, trainers and nutritionists and coaches. And and there was always a very clear goal, right? You've got that game coming up on Sunday or Monday night or whatever it is. And then to step away from that, I imagine that was quite jarring and is part of what you're doing coming up really with coping strategies to uh, help you transition away from that structured world that you're in for uh, for so long? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges I've realized, you know, going from being such a, you know, high achieving athlete and getting that far in the sport, you know, there's always been a roadmap of success where I've known exactly what I need to do, how to do it to get to where I want to go. And, you know, it's, it's not very difficult. You have to be pretty, I mean, it's very difficult to get to it as far as I've gotten because the competition is so fierce, but you knew exactly how to get there. Like you had to be the, you know, strong, you had to get in the weight room, you had to learn the playbook, you had to know exactly what you had to do to be successful on the field. And when that's all over and, you know, it was done, I, you know, I've, I was, I'm a rare case where I was really looking forward to being done. I wanted to experience what else is out there for me. I kind of exhausted all the football I had in me and I was ready to, to move on and see what other opportunities were out there. But it was kind of overwhelming when I realized, you know, there is no roadmap in the real world. It's, it's amazing that there is so much opportunity and I can literally do anything I put my mind to, but it's kind of really overwhelming to realize that. And so I didn't know where to start. And that's kind of, you know, part of the reason I decided to buy the van and go experience my freedom for the first time was because instead of jumping into whatever, whatever was next, I really wanted to take a break from, you know, doing, 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 and trying to accomplish things and, and get places to really enjoying this little bit of time I had to experience some freedom and that's why I traveled, um, bought a van and traveled, and I was only going to do it for a few months and ended up traveling for over a year and a half. I loved it so much, and um, you know, I learned so much about who I was and, and what I was capable of and, and who, you know, what my identity was without football. And, yeah, there's so much opportunity. I'm really excited. I feel like I'm just getting started. Um, you know, that was only, only two years ago that I retired, so I'm really excited to see what's next. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so interesting coming from, you know, I, I work in office land, so our our career paths are very different. Mine mine looks like the pretty typical, you know, work till you're 65, sock away money, have a pension, that kind of thing. But I find it so fascinating with professional athletes, your career span is really so short, and then you're finished, and uh, you're still in your early 30s, right? Yeah, I just turned 31. I retired when I was 29. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, think like, oh, you're you're so lucky you got to retire at such a young age. And, you know, I, I consider myself very blessed um, to have you know, the opportunity to really have some money saved and, and be able to, uh, you know, work on whatever I really want to and have, you know, the security blanket that I do that I worked really hard for. But, you know, you can't, like retirement, and I think you know, even even I'm talking to my my dad, who's you know three or four years away from retirement, asking him like, what's what's your plan when you retire? And he's like, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to do nothing. Mm. And I just I think that's like this false concept of people, you know, getting to this 
this place where all of a sudden you retire and there's, you know, you've reached the goal. Now you can just kind of relax and do nothing with your life. But I just don't think that's the way the human psyche works. We, you know, we need things to be doing. We need, um, you know, a higher calling, a higher purpose in life. And it doesn't necessarily need to be for money, but we have to figure out what to do with our time. And so that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out now. And I have so much time ahead of me that I really, you know, need to need to figure out how I want to use it and, and best use it. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there and I'm really excited to see what, what comes of what it. comes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so encouraging to see your path, which is one that's healthy, which is one that's open-minded and exploratory because you do hear stories of some people who, you know, professional athletes who can get into trouble after retirement, right? Cause they've got uh, a lot of money potentially and, and not a lot of direction which I think can lead to trouble sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a big, uh, big issue with the transition that athletes have to take. And I don't think a lot of people really understand it. You know, a lot of people think, Oh, it's easy. They're done. They have a lot of money. They can do whatever they want now. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the guys you hear about on, on the news and stuff that, you know, there's only like the top 10% of the league that really has enough money to retire and be fine. Most guys, you know, they, they got a little bit of money saved, but it's not enough to retire for the 30, 40 years, you know, 50 years, however long they have until they actually hit their, their pension and stuff. And so there's this misconceived notion that, Oh yeah, guys are rich, you know, and then they're, they, they're troublemakers, Mm -hmm. all this, but they just really, don't have the support or the community, you know, they're usually damaged goods. The The league doesn't do a lot to support guys when they're done. Um, they're starting to invest more into the guys or doing a couple programs, but it's just what I've found is it's very isolating, uh, very lonely. You know, all the people that loved you for what you did and supported you, all your family, all your friends, um, all the fans, the team, you know, when you're done, it's like all that's taken away and you're just kind of wait, who am I? Who am I without all this? And it's really, really quite difficult. And, um, you know, some guys have a lot of trouble with that. And, you know, trying to create something to support them is really um, a mission that I am actually hopefully can can help in some way um, by sharing my message and what I've learned. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell us a bit more, Joe, about how you're, you have been going across or have been going through the exploration. And maybe we can tie it to, to both the van, because I would love to hear about your the, the setup that you've got in the van and also to your traveling companion, Freedom. So originally hit the road, I bought a E350 Ecoline sportsmobile kind of cargo van that was converted and traveled in that for the first eight months and it was amazing but it wasn't super comfortable and I'm not a big fan of the cold so winter time came around first year and I ended up getting an apartment in Tampa for a few months and was kind of in this transition period where I didn't really know what I wanted to do if I wanted to continue the trip you know hit the road again when it warmed up and I decided if I could find a new van that was more comfortable I would do that so I ended up finding this brand new sprinter van that this guy converted, you know, in Florida and it was for sale and it was like this perfect synchronicity. And, um, so I ended up selling my old van, buying that van and I hit the road again for, uh, you know, another six or seven months before I ended up in Austin. That new van is a, is a 2019 sprinter van, a beautiful, you know, vehicle. I, I absolutely love it. It's a lot more comfortable. I had a queen size, full queen size bed in the back. 
you know, like a double burner stove, a sink, 30 gallon fresh water tank. Uh, it's like this fold up shower that comes off the back. It's all wheel drive, high ceiling. So it's just a lot more comfortable for a big guy and had an absolute blast riding around in it. My pup freedom. I knew when I was going to hit the road that I wanted a travel companion because I thought the road might be a bit of a lonely place by, uh, by myself. So ended up rescuing a foster pup out of Tampa before I hit the road. And she's a beautiful little light brown boxer mix, about 45 pounds. And she's been an absolute rock star. She has been a great travel companion, loves the road. Um, and she's probably seen more of the country than most humans. So she's a she's a pretty lucky dog. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen some of your YouTube videos and she looks, let's say, enthusiastic all the time. She seems to be a pretty happy pup. Yeah, she's just, she reminds me every day of, how grateful I am and how grateful she is to, you know, have an opportunity and another opportunity at, at living a, a life that, you know, she might have missed out on because, you know, when I found her, she was just in a cage curled up, you know, really sad, scared, shaking, not knowing what was going on. And, you know, giving, giving her a second, second lease on life has been a, been a huge blessing. And she has so much love to give. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I, you know, founder. Wow. Tell us about a few of your uh, favorite stops, Joe, along the travels. And the, the ones that stand out to me from your blog, seems that you particularly like baseball stadiums and national parks. Any favorites on those two? Yeah. I, I, one of the things I really was excited about that kind of gave purpose to the trip was I wanted to go check out as many baseball stadiums as I could. And uh, ended up seeing, I think, 20 or 21 stadiums out of the 30. And it was pretty amazing that I got that opportunity. I went to probably over 50 baseball games, went to a few of them a bunch of times, traveled the country kind of twice around in different areas. But yeah, one of my favorite baseball stadiums would probably have to be in Chicago, Wrigley, where the Cubs play. Uh, there's just so much history there, and it's really fun place to play or to watch a game. Um, also really enjoyed Miller Park up in Wisconsin, up in Milwaukee. Probably my, one of the most underrated stadiums because I didn't really hear much about it. And when I went to it, it was amazing. The fan base is awesome. Um, it's actually a pretty cool city too. Another thing I really wanted to do was was see national parks and see how beautifully diverse this country really is with my own two eyes. I remember having a moment before I hit the road that led to the decision to travel was I was on Instagram and and I follow a couple of the national park pages and seeing all these beautiful pictures of nature and, you know, had this realization that do I just want to see my life through the screen in front of me or do I want to go see these places for myself? And so, you know, I made it a point to go see all these beautiful places that are, you know, really right in our own backyard that a lot of people don't realize. And so had an amazing time visiting few national parks uh really enjoyed the grand canyon which is crazy because i you know went to school in las vegas which is only a few hours away from the grand canyon and i never went I, you know i've flown over it a few times but i was just like oh it's really not you know i don't think it's that cool i've flown over it like i've seen it and then when i finally finally drove up to it for the first time i was just in i was in such awe <laughs> of the pure beauty and majesty and the, the, how just massive it really is. And 
you know, the way the sun hits off it and the shadows change throughout the day. It's just one of the most epic places I've ever been. Also enjoyed, you know, Acadia National Park up in Maine was amazing. Um, in the summer, it was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed my time at the Grand Tetons as well in Wyoming. Mm. Um, I didn't even really know about that that national park, but it was pretty cool how I got there. Ended up meeting some people in San Fran who ended up kind of leading me to this place. You know, and then I stayed with someone's cousin, and then they ended up telling me like, "Oh yeah, you should go to the Grand Tetons. It's on your way to Colorado." And so I ended up stopping there because someone had recommended it, and it was just a really incredible time. Wow. Um, I've got a friend who uh, who guides there. He does mountain climbing in the Grand Tetons, and man, his Instagram feed is uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, those mountains are beautiful. Yeah. Did you get to Arches National Park, Joe, in in Utah? I did. Yeah, I really do enjoy. The desert, I like I said, I, I went to school in Las Vegas, so I'm a West Coast desert guy. And driving through southern Utah is probably one of the most beautiful drives I've ever done. That's the crazy thing about this country is it's so diverse and there's so much beauty from, you know, the oceans, the beaches, the mountains, the hills, the, you know, rolling hills of the East Coast to the deserts, to like the Rocky Mountain peaks, to the Pacific Northwest with all the trees, like, there's just so much diversity and so beautiful. And I, you know, the arches was incredible. Like when you get there and you drive up through the entrance and you kind of go up over this cliff. And then when you kind of enter the valley, it just literally looks like you transported to some deserted world where like the dinosaurs used to live or something. Like it's, <laughs> it's pretty insane. It's, it's amazing. I was there a couple of years ago. I went with some friends. We were doing some, some trail running down in Moab and, uh, and we went out to arches and I was so keen to see it because a buddy of mine had gotten me a book by Edward Abbey, who is, uh, he had lived there in the 50s, I think, something like that. And he was a park ranger at the time. And he had written about this beautiful place, which has changed a bit because there's more access to it now, of course, and more tourists. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it really was quite breathtaking. Yeah, well, it was one of my favorite places I visited last year for yeah. sure. Yeah. How how have you expanded what you're interested in through reading? Because it seems to me that's another thing that's really opened up for you lately. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, reading has completely changed my life. I started, I started reading probably six or seven years ago, and the reason, excuse me, the reason I did was because Tony Gonzalez, actually, who's one of the best tight ends in the history of the NFL, played 17 years, and I was lucky enough to be his teammate for the last three years of his career. And before his last game, uh, before he was retiring, he got up in front of the team and he you know, said this little speech of, of why he was so successful um, in his career. And I don't remember, he said three things that led directly to his success. And I don't remember what the other two were, but one of them that stood out to me was that he, he started reading and, you know, I went into the off season that year. This is, you know, six or seven years ago. And I was, I was wondering, man, if, if this, you know, one of the best of all time said that reading had changed his life that much, then there must be something to it. So I reached out to him and I, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, what's a couple of books you recommend? And, he ended up sharing with me and I ended up getting a couple and started reading. And, you know, it was definitely a, it took you know, a little while to create a habit out of it. You know, I probably read a couple books that year, but it slowly grew into something where it like started expanding my mind and, and, and I started learning about so much that, you know, now I, I read probably, you know, a book 
if not every week, every other week. And, you know, between Audible and while I've been on the road, you know, listening to a bunch of Audible books and reading and having all this time to do so has really expanded my mind and and my knowledge and my wisdom. And, you know, it's, it's nice when you can watch something like a documentary that like, kind of adds value to your life. But there's something about reading a book that just gets you into the mind of somebody else. And, you know, it's quite a unique experience and you can really learn a ton um, by that. And, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot out of it. Now I'm actually kind of looking to write my own book and contribute my own knowledge and my own story to kind of the culmination of knowledge of, of the human history, which is like what I think is great about writing a book so I can share my own story in my own mind with others. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And fantastic. And so is that something that you started work on already or really in the concept? Yeah, yeah I'm actually working on... Uh, working on manifesting it into reality. I just talked to a, a book coach, a writing coach, uh, not too long ago that, um, you know, I'm excited to work with and, you know, continue to find an editor and, and put the, the proper, uh, things in place to, to get it going. And hopefully I can finish it by this year and get it out there. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep eyes out for it. Let's return Joe to the, to the food side of your travels because we're we're all about food on this podcast. And I, I noticed that you're connected to another Instagram account called Two Keto Cooks. Are you following? It seems like you did follow. Are you currently following a keto diet? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I not not currently. I, I did keto for probably the majority of the first year I was done playing football, which helped me, you know, lose some weight and and really get in shape. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, when I first started, I wasn't doing it, you know, in a super clean way. I was eating a lot of bacon, a lot of grease, a lot of animal fat. And we've kind of transitioned to by listening to my body and doing more of like an intuitive eating more to plant-based. And I still do, you know, I learned a lot by doing the keto diet. And I, one of the big things is that, that fat is not a bad part of the diet. It's actually a very important piece. And it's, you know, it's wild to know or realize that, you know, all the health guidelines and nutrition facts would say stay away from fat. Fat is bad. And to realize that fat is such an integral part of our, you know, makeup and, you know, it needs to be a part of our diet. It, it adds sustained energy throughout the day. I used to have to eat like every two or three hours when I played football. And now that I eat a higher fat diet, I, I've noticed that I have a lot more energy throughout the day. I don't have these crashes in the afternoon. Um, I don't, need to eat as much. I can, you know, intermittent fast regularly, which is also another huge benefit. But currently I just do a lot more plant-based. I've really realized after reading a couple books about uh, micronutrients, you know, keto is all about tracking the macros. And I realized I need more variety of micronutrients, which, you know, there's a lot of new research coming out about the microbiome and how a variety of different nutrients is really good to keep that healthy. And a lot of the stuff that you can only get from natural vegetables and fruits, you know, I still, I still eat meat. I eat meat very sparingly, mostly fish. And I try to eat a higher fat diet, not necessarily to get into ketosis, but just to have sustained energy throughout the day. Um, cook with a lot of, you know, really qual high quality extra virgin olive oil. Um, you know, eat a lot of, eat a lot of nuts. Avocados is a great source of fat, eggs. But yeah, I try to keep the micronutrients up and the fuels that are really healthy for the brain. I like cooking my own food. I think that's really important. You know, a lot of places cook with 
you know, vegetable oils that aren't healthy, um, like canola oils, those are actually not really, they're kind of opposite of, uh, olive oil. They're not good fats that are hard to, for the body to break down. Um, so cooking your own food, I think is really important. Um, I just really, I like buying the vegetables that I really like and I like cutting them up and sauteing them in, in olive oil. It's pretty simple. You know, I show a lot of what I cook on Instagram and a lot of people are like, you know, what's the recipe? What are you doing? And, you know, over the years, you know, the more you cook, the better you get. And I just, I don't really follow any recipe. Like if I like, you know, I like mushrooms, kale, sweet potatoes, some peppers, you know, I'll take, I just buy some of that, chop it up, throw it in a pan and saute it until it's nice and soft and, and go to town. And it's, you know, super delicious, healthy, don't need a lot of seasoning. You know, a lot of people ask about seasoning and stuff. Like I really just use olive oil, salt and pepper. And that's all you need because I love the natural taste of food when you just really connect with that. Um, you don't need a lot of added, you know, fake flavors. Absolutely. Is that something you see, you know, the Canadian diet is probably pretty comparable to the American diet, but it sounds like that is a pretty big change for you. Do you think we have a long way to go generally on getting people eating better food? 100%. It's it's kind of crazy how, you know, a lot of people think they're eating healthy when in reality they're they're not at all. And it's it's really sad what these food companies are putting in food, calling it healthy and selling it to people. And they're making this stuff really addictive. There's a lot of processed foods that are hard to break down in the body that are causing a lot of, you know, disease and, you know, unhealthiness. And it's, if you start going down that rabbit hole and you really wonder what the real kind of storyline is, because, you know, is it in the best interest of these big companies to, make these foods super addictive by putting sugar in everything, which is breaking people's bodies down, which is making them unhealthy, which is making them go to the doctor, which is, you know, creating this need for all this medication to help fight these disease. When, you know, in reality, if we're being proactive about trying to be healthier as a society, we'd figure out that what we fuel our bodies is directly correlated to how we're feeling and what kind of diseases and, you know, unhealthy things manifesting in our physical bodies is coming from. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And they're looking to take a pill to, you know, minimize a, you know, something that's coming up, a symptom, instead of really treating the issue, which is what we feel our bodies. And it's really hard when the food companies are adding sugar to everything, which is which is just as addictive as cocaine, they've done brain scans and you know, they're legally allowed to put it in everything. And a lot of times it says no sugar, no sugar added, low sugar, but they're still adding fructose or dextrolose or all these different fake sugars that are even worse for the body. Um, so, yeah, I think we have a really long way to go. I think there's a lot happening in like the organic, you know, natural food, you know, a lot like it's easier to access that. It's, it's getting cheaper to find healthier foods. Um, but I think it's really an education piece where people need to be more proactive in learning what is good. And I think once you start eating healthy, this is what I've found, and you really clean up your diet from not eating fast food, not eating all these high sugars, high processed foods, you can realize like, okay, what does feeling good feel like? Because a lot of people don't know what feeling good right. feels like. Yeah. And right. when you have this yeah. connect with how you're feeling, then you can, if you introduce a, something, because everybody's different. That's the one thing I found with diets is like everybody like, oh, to follow this diet, follow that diet. And what I found with following a keto diet is my body actually has a hard time digesting that much fat. It's really bad for my stomach. 
And so I actually needed to get away from it, but everybody's different. And so once you start connecting with how you're feeling and what different foods make you feel like, then you can kind of create this, what I like to call like the intuitive eating where you can really connect with your body and how you're feeling and what it needs at that moment, because there's different nutrients and different things. And as long as you're eating natural, it's still, you know, maybe I'll need a lot more, you know, natural sugar because I need some quick energy. So I eat some more fruit or some more vegetables. Um, or I do need some meat because protein and my body need, you know, has been breaking down because I, you know, went on a hike or something. So just being more connected with the, the body and the mind is, is I think where we need to work to, but it's really hard to get there if you don't know what feeling good feels like. A friend of mine is a holistic nutritionist and, and her advice to people is eat however much avocado you want as long as you're eating unprocessed foods. And she says, you know, your body is going to tell you how much avocado you should be eating. It won't, you won't be able to figure that out if you're also eating, you know, processed white bread and, and, uh, and a bunch of sugary snacks. But once you get onto whole foods, she said, it's really quite easy. You'll eat, you'll eat the amount that you want and need to eat. Yeah. And these natural foods have this thing called fiber right. in them. And when you take out and process it, take out the fiber, then your body, you know, fiber is what makes you feel satiated and full and, you know, naturally happens. Like if you eat, an apple has a lot of fiber, you feel fuller than making a juice out of apple and like putting five apples to make juice, you're getting a ton of the sugar right. without the fiber and the fiber actually slows down the digestion of the sugar. So it's, you know, manipulating the actual nutrient content. Right, right. Well, just a couple more questions, Joe, because I know uh, you're a busy guy and uh, I want to let you get going. But can you tell us about your discussions with Bart? We have a few things in the works. We might be going into business together at some point, but I'm really excited I connected with him because he's a great guy and he's he's got uh, a lot going on as well. And yeah, I'm excited to uh, continue the friendship and the working relationship. Right, and see what you guys might explore. And it sounds like you guys are kind of on the same page in that you are both taking the time to you know take the exits when you're on the road and actually talk to the locals. Yeah, that's one of the best parts about being on the road, in my opinion, was was connecting with people. And, you know, I, th I say all the time, what a time to be alive where we're able to stay so connected with things like social media and the Internet. And, you know, this traveling experience would be a lot different 15 or 20 years ago. And so I'm just so blessed and grateful for all the many things in our lives that help keep us connected and, and create so much opportunity for everybody to really follow, you know, their dreams and what makes them happy. Fantastic. Just one last question. That's a great way to wrap it up, but I've got to ask you if there's, if there's one tip or technique or recipe, what would you point people to? What, what advice would you give for cooking delicious, healthy food on the road? Oh, cooking delicious, healthy food on the road. I mean, it's it was amazing for me in the new van because it was, you know, I had my one saute pan. I think getting a nice saute pan is a really good investment, nonstick one that, you know, because it just really makes a difference when you're cooking food. Um, but I had a little double mini propane burner right there. And, you know, I think the best thing to do is really, you know, buy – buy natural fruit or vegetables and then saute it in olive oil. And it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty simple. It's something I do every day and you get to kind of control what you eat and how it's cooked and you know exactly what's in it and you know exactly how you're feeling your body. You know, I think people need to change their idea of food um, from something that is, you know, just 
this thing that tastes good, but really focus on how it makes you feel when you eat it and realize that this is fueling your body. And, you know, when you, when you think about fueling your car, you wouldn't put a, a dirty old sludge in there to fuel a high efficient vehicle you'd put in there, the high quality fuel. And so whenever you're eating, you know, be conscious of what you're putting in your body. And I think the more healthy eating you do, you can always, your body is able to process that better. And, you know, I, I love food. So I'm not saying never eat the things you like. Like I love desserts. I love cake. I have, I love pancakes. Like I have a really big sweet tooth and I love eating those things, but it's easier for your body to process that stuff when it, it's fueled healthy. And every now and then, you know, maybe once or twice a week, you decide to have, you know, what people call a cheat meal where you can really enjoy that and indulge in that and not, you know, really destroy your body. Cause the body is a pretty amazing piece of equipment that is, has the ability to process a lot of things. So if you feel it right every now and then it's totally okay to enjoy yourself with, uh, with what you really enjoy. <laughs> Perfect. That's the, that's the best spot I think to leave it. I love that advice. Listen, Joe, where can my uh, listeners follow you? It's, is uh, Instagram the best place? And I'll, I'll put a link to your website too. Yeah, my website is manvandogblog.com, which really kind of dives deeper into my story. And then, yeah, I'm most active on social media on Instagram at manvan. It's actually at joe.holly now. I just changed it, H-A-W-L-E-Y. But if you type in manvandogblog on the search, it should come up as well. Um, And I, you know, love to hear from people. So if you, you know, listen to this show and you want to reach out, um, I'd love to uh, answer some of your DMs, maybe if you have some questions. So look forward to it. Fantastic. Joe, thanks so much. Really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Thanks, Joe, for a great talk. I really appreciate you taking the time to connect and to share your story with me. And I remain both inspired and jealous about your van and your dog and your travels. I look forward to following all of your upcoming adventures. Thank you for joining me too. I appreciate, as always, you choosing to be here and to spend time with me on the Chef Demoni podcast. If you have a few minutes, please take them to leave a star rating for Chef Demoni. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and virtually all of the other podcast apps and directories. If you've got a few more minutes, please leave a written review for the show. I would really appreciate you doing either or both of those things. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I love to hear from you. So my advice for this week be like Chef Doris. If you've got a comment or a question for the show, maybe a topic suggestion, a chef or a lawyer that you think would be a good fit for the show, please just get in touch. You can send me a message on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now LinkedIn. I am just rebuilding a LinkedIn profile, so you can find me there too. Send me a message on any of those platforms or just send me a good old-fashioned email to graham at chefdemoni.com. Okay, that's all for today. I'm Graham McLennan. And I'll see you next Friday right here on Chef de